Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates, ready to go. Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. Live from the 6th and Peabody Studios, which is with Old Smoky Moonshine, Yeehaw Beer. Chad Withrow to my left, Paul Kaharski to my right. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Glad you're with us. And we are ready. John McClain joins us in an hour. J.P. Aaron Sibia, uh, Marlins broadcaster, former MLB catcher. He joins us to preview the World Series with... Atlanta and Houston. That's coming up at uh, 3 o'clock today, Central Time. Plus, Glenn Gilbo from OutKick to discuss the big headlines across the SEC. Big show plan. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Boys, what a time to be alive. The weather is cool. My Braves are in the World Series, and Marshawn Lynch is dropping F-bombs on ESPN. All is right in the world. If only I could have lured you into the T-shirt fold-off that I was looking for as we walked in. There's a T-shirt folding contraption out there. One of the young ladies who works here at 6th and Peabody folding some of the merchandise. Chad, an expert folder from his days working at, I'm going to forget. Polo Ralph Lauren. Polo Ralph. The outlet, not an actual retail store. They wouldn't let him into the actual retail store. This was an outlet. He's an outlet guy, but he loved to fold in his day. I feel like Polo Ralph Lauren is, is what the... Vanderbilt elitist would say with Vanderbilt. You know, well, oh, I, I, I attend nobody Vanderbilt. Nobody said Vanderbilt except your boss. Oh, we, I, I've heard we it. have heard I've it. I've heard it from alums of Vanderbilt yes. and the Peabody yes. School at Vanderbilt. Oh, are they from Transylvania? If you're not uh, with maybe. the athletics, you are Vanderbilt, not Vanderbilt. But and, why wouldn't and, you? Didn't and, like it's Ralph Lauren. That's how I've always yeah, said shockingly, it. Shockingly. Ralph Lauren is very Vanderbilt to me. Shockingly, well, I was Chad taught that by someone from Ralph Lauren <laughs> <laughs> retail. So you didn't like their... Came into the oh, outlet they came to teach in. me how they to down yeah, to the so outlet. Can you imagine the assignment? You have to go to the outlet today to teach folding. And you're like, oh, please, no, not the outlet. Paul, Don't where make did you me work? go to the outlet. I worked, um, uh, I, I was a lifeguard. <laughs> no, I was a lifeguard, which was my choice. My brother and sister both worked uh, at, in food. And I watched them work on Friday nights as waiters and waitresses. I and I was that. like, I lasted that one month. sucks. And so I had a friend a uh, year older than me that was going to lifeguarding lessons. And I was like, this is going to suck. <laughs> but my summers are going to kick the ass of my brothers <laughs> and sister. And I had great summers. I, yeah, I lifeguarded at condominium complexes where I met girls and sat in the sun. And my day was over when it got dark. Uh, which was glorious. That's so, why. That's why I wanted to work at the the golf course. Uh, yeah, in that, high which school. is an equally I good loved idea. Loved it. I worked now, at a I golf only course worked too. in retail. Don't typecast me as just someone who worked at Polo oh, Ralph no, Lauren. No. I worked at a golf course. I worked at uh, Nashville Shores Water Park. 
before it was well, actually good. a water park. Good. It was just a bunch of high school kids getting paid to stand around and watch different contraptions all day. <laughs> um, I had numerous jobs. No, I did end up. Store. I did end liquor up. store in college. I uh, mowed yards. My only retail job was after I had an Ivy League degree. And I came home and I had a part-time job at the Home News, my hometown paper. A part-time job, the best I could do. I needed more money. And I went and worked at the athlete's house. Not to be mistaken with Foot Locker. Everybody thinks it was Foot Locker and then I wore a referee shirt. I did not wear the referee shirt. This is the what outlet mall version of Foot Locker is what I'm hearing. You have the to athlete's well, it's house. It's just a, a shoe store. You just had to wear clothes that they sold. You had a super discount. Yeah, that's good. So I wore like a polo shirt that they sold or a t-shirt that they sold. But I got fired from this job. So I worked with a bunch of high school kids, some of whom I covered as athletes in high school. And I was super efficient. Like the boxes of shoes would come in and the high school kids would putter around or whatever. I would go empty the shoes really quickly and then get back to like, if I wasn't helping customers, I would read Sports Illustrated or read my book or whatever. Something needed to be unpacked or done, I would quickly do it and yeah. I would be done. And so the boss loved me. But the boss of the other store in Woodbridge, this was in East Brunswick, the Woodbridge store, had a, he had a stake in these two stores. And I thought he knew me and recognized me. It turned out he did not. So he came one day when I was the only person in the store and I did not jump up to greet him as a customer. Wow. Like, how may I help you? Because I thought he knew me and that, uh, you know, he understood that I didn't get up because he wasn't a customer. Yeah, right. Because you don't get up. He's not there to <laughs> shop. Right. He wasn't there to shop. Yeah. And so I did not leap up to serve him. And later <laughs> that day, the boss called me, the boss who loved me of my store called me and told me he had to let me go because he couldn't convince this guy that I didn't get up because I knew he worked there and everything was in order oh. in the store. And so I was fired from the athlete's wow. house with my Ivy League degree. I could not hold a job at the sneaker store. It seems a little punitive. It was For very punitive. For one time not standing up to greet someone. But that guy, um, I'd love to know what he ended up yeah. doing in life because... That's a very harsh move for that one time. Well, Chad, it, it wasn't like you he walked in and you were doing something illegal on the job. Yes, right. And they had to fire you. Sports didn't Illustrated stand up was a good magazine at that time. It prepared me for when I got laid off at the Oakland Tribune two or three years later. So it was, uh, I think it was God's plan to get me ready for a more serious uh, layoff. I applaud you for the, uh, the, the Baywatch uh, lifeguard job. I saw that we were tweeting out that there were Baywatch vibes coming from you as a lifeguard. That's a good route to look at girls when you're in high school. Um, Hutton and Paul I both Hasselhoff. worked at a golf course at different times. Well, more than lucky. The only time you get to look at girls dating. at the golf course are the cart girls yeah. who come in to have the cart serviced by me, a cart attendant. I had to wash the cart. So it was always that when the beverage cart came in, where you washed it, that was when you got to interact with oh, the see, girls had the, your age, the college girls. We had the country club pool. That had those jobs. Well, here's we the, the drama pool. I had there at my no, pool. There was no pool at Pine Creek. Here's the drama that. I had at my pool. I ended up, you know, dating or having dalliances with some of the young ladies who lived at the area. And the, at the area? And, like well, in, in the, the condominium complex. Oh. And the boys who did not like this, I, I later found out it was them. I didn't know at the time. But I would come in like on a Saturday morning and there would be like three chairs and a pile of dirt in the pool, which I had to clean up. But I was just like, okay, pool's closed. Nobody can swim until I'm done cleaning up. 
And so instead of just sitting and watching people swim, I had to clean up. It was no big deal. I was working anyway. So he really ruined it for everybody else. But then months later, I would find out, oh, that was Danny. He was really pissed off that <laughs> Melissa decided to go out with you instead of him. Danny Noonan over there. Dan- thanks, thanks a lot, like a- Danny. What's <laughs> Danny up to now? He's out with the guy from the athlete's house that fired me. I'm going to make this plebe do my work for me. This lesser than. <laughs> that, works the, that works at the pool. I'm the elite one that he's just going to have to work In for. In a fit of rage while I was on a date with Melissa Best, he went on a rampage inside the pool fence where he was not allowed to be. Looking forward to today's show, uh, Braves and Astros tonight, game one. J.P. Aaron Sibia will uh, join us in an hour. We'll, we'll preview game one. Get the keys uh, for both teams to win a World Series this year. Braves with the first chance to win one since 95. Uh, looking forward to that conversation. John McClain brings us the very latest on the Deshaun Watson trade options and where the destinations could be. Are there more than just the Dolphins and the Panthers involved, more teams. We'll, we'll get John's take there. Tua Tagovailoa, a part of this trade as well, although it may not be to the Texans. All of that and more coming up. Um, the, the headline that affects the NFL week most recently is Devontae Adams in COVID protocol. Of course, they don't have the benefit of playing Sunday. They can't wait. They play Thursday, and they're hosting the Arizona Cardinals. So the Packers could be without Devontae Adams as they host the unbeaten Arizona Cardinals this week. Do we know if he's vaccinated or or not? I don't know. So if he's vaccinated, he could be back. If he's unvaccinated, even a close contact would keep him out five days. Um, So Well, I guess he's vaccinated because there's conversation about him being available. Yeah. So two negative tests in short order could get him back on the field. But I did hear one of the prime NFL reporters, I think it was Schefter on Monday Night Football, Last night, I'm already out of the days of the week saying I won't be surprised. I won't be surprised if this isn't the first case in Green Bay. Speculating that there was about to be uh, an outbreak, which seems it's in Arizona. I said it was in Green Bay. It's in Arizona. Six and one versus seven and zero. Yeah, which seemed kind of uh, crazy. Another ridiculously good primetime uh, affair that did, I'm sure didn't look like. I, I don't think the league was anticipating Arizona being uh, wildly good when they scheduled that one, but what a game. Uh, the Mannings made last night watchable, and even the Mannings couldn't keep me on that game uh, for as boring as it I was. I was surprised how 13, early 10. Chad was out. He was uh, telling us his daughter had control of the TV early, uh, and I mean, then he look, was watching Succession. Pre-bedtime, uh, my daughters have the TV, typically. So once I, I record the game, I went back and watched the beginning where – Paul was alerting me to Peyton in a Eli Ole Miss jersey, which I thought was a very funny bit about it losing the so bet snug. with uh, Tennessee losing to Ole Miss. Um, I thought that was really good. But yeah, I, I, Hutton, like you, um, I found myself clicking over to something I had recorded from HBO about midway through that game because that game was terrible. Yeah, yeah, it was it was tough. I stuck with it. I actually had it on pause because I had to take dogs out. But then Brady was on, and that obviously was the highlight of the game. So I, I watched that like I was watching it live because I wanted to see their exchange. Um, but it was not a uh, – though it was close. This was a rare – at least sure. uh, like, at least there was some tension, was but it really game, wasn't, wasn't you know? very interesting even with that. And uh, Kamara won the game for them. I mean, with the, the effort that he gave in rushing the football, um, he accounted for 55% of the Saints' offense – 
in this game. Well, Seattle's kicking. I mean, they had multiple chances to pull away and just uh, it was awful. But I love that Peyton, a, a missed field goal gives Peyton such pain. Just any missed offensive opportunity is uh, trauma to him. You know, there's something about, and I love the Manning cast, but there's something about the Manning cast with the crowd uh, ambiance turned down and them talking that makes a really bad game seem even worse. <laughs> right? Because if I, I, I clicked over at one point, watched the normal broadcast, and I'm hearing Seattle fans, and I'm thinking, man, this sounds like a better game than it actually is. And then you turn over there, and there's something about the lack of the heightened sound around the game that makes something that is not pleasing to the eye even more so because you're not getting the full stadium environment while watching that Manning cast. But it was still, I'm guessing, the better option of the two given that they had Tom Brady and Marshawn Lynch. One of the things that just I find baffling in today's game is that teams that run a certain offense, and I get that Russell Wilson is different than any backup in the league that could replace him, but they replace him with Geno Smith, who can't functionally get the football to DK Metcalf. I mean, he did on the first catch, which was the touchdown early in the game, and they didn't even target him until the second half. I don't understand how the offense changes that much where you cannot get the football to your top two receivers in Metcalf and lock it after you connect early on. And that's just how bad Geno Smith is um, and the drop-off in talent level and competence from your starter to your backup. And that's just not a Seattle problem. Um, I'm not sure if the offense would look exactly the same here in Nashville with Tannehill going down and Woodside coming in. But Geno Smith, who has been able to make you know, uh, a career off of, well, he was a starter in 2017, but a career off of being a backup for a starter who never misses a start, is now being asked to come in and can't run the offense that the quarterback who he's replacing was running and getting the football to in a, I don't know, you're getting Metcalf at least five to seven targets, and they target him one time in the first half. If you, if you can't run it in any similar way to Wilson, why don't you at least say, all right, five times in this game, on second and middle, mm -hmm. we're going to overthrow Metcalf you know, a long throw Metcalf and give him a chance to come back to the ball and create a PI. Like we're not even asking you Force to it. necessarily hit him. Yeah. We're asking you to put it in a spot where the DB probably is going to mess up because you see overthrows of top receivers consistently turn into to PIs. Underthrows, I'm sorry. Underthrow him and let Metcalf play defense coming back to the ball in a situation that we see nine times out of ten turns into a flag. Well, it just, it's maddening to watch the first touchdown of the game go 83 yards. Or was it 84 yards? Nuts. Yeah, 84 yards to Metcalf. And then the rest of the game, they had 83 passing yards combined. So they had more yardage on that one touchdown to Metcalf than they did the entire rest of the so game. So you will say there was no skill involved in that first touchdown throw. The DB falls down. Right. So you're not being given gifts That's like that. That's how bad the game was. But you have to be able to scheme better for top wide receiver. Lockett and Metcalf are terrific. That's so their how can you Yeah. So why wouldn't that be plan A? Find ways to get the ball in their hands, even if it's short stuff, short crossers, slants, whatever. And you know the, the Saints are not going to allow you to run on them. I mean, they, they, they have not allowed a 100-yard rusher uh, in like two or three years. They, they, they've done it twice, and it was in the same game. So you're not getting a lot of yardage against them. And you know you're going to have to throw the football, and they, the, the Seattle could not do that. Regardless of the weather conditions, they could not do that. 
uh, last night. Coming up, SEC headlines. Glenn Gilbo of Outkick.com will join us. Coming up at 3 o'clock, we preview the World Series at 3.20 today. NFL headlines and trade rumors and talk. No rumors with Deshaun Watson. McLean's reporting that last week that they want to get a deal done with Miami. Now Carolina's involved. Is there anyone else? McLean gives us the details on that coming up in the second hour of today's show. It's all straight ahead on Outkick 360 with Toyo's Clinic. You see better, look better. If you're ready to enjoy the freedom of not wearing glasses or contact lenses, do like I did and enjoy LASIK from Dr. Rolando Toyos, Middle Tennessee's number one LASIK provider. And you can do that with flapless LASIK. Uh, That's the latest technology. With flapless LASIK, the very next day you can swim, work out, wear makeup. It's so accurate and convenient. Navy SEALs get this procedure. MMA fighters and boxers are right back into training after flapless LASIK the day prior. A common misconception is that depending on your age, a remedy to upgrade your eyesight isn't always available. But ages 18 to 88, if you want to out of your glasses, Dr. Toyos can help you. Don't let the, the issues of eyesight hold you back. Contact Dr. Rolando Toyos. 800-603-1989. 1-800-603-1989. Schedule your LASIK consultation. Let them know Outkick 360 sent you. Receive 10% off. Toyos Clinic. See better. Look better. Some good games in the SEC this coming weekend. Ole Miss on the road against Auburn. Of course, the cocktail parties where we'll be for Outkick the Tailgate, Georgia and Florida in Jacksonville. Outkick 360 rolls on, and we say hello to Outkick's Glenn Gilbo, SEC writer and columnist for Outkick.com. Glenn, hope you're doing well this week. Good afternoon, guys. What did Ma- we, are, we are doing great. Uh, what, what did Matt Corral prove to you if if anything by the way he performed banged up this past week against LSU well you know he he can play hurt he can he can get the job done when he's not at his best and I I think that uh that in itself should be uh fuel for the Heisman Trophy in addition to like if he throws the same as if he throws five touchdowns or or throws for 400 yards or something like that. That that was that was pretty impressive. And and uh, you know, Ole Miss was struggling early. They came back, and he you know he was still able to run the ball a little bit and uh, and pass the ball enough. But it also showed that that Ole Miss has a has a very balanced team. We saw it again. They they continue to improve in all areas. So Glenn Jimmy Sexton was in attendance to watch his client Lane Kiffin take on LSU. A lot of Talk around LSU, maybe being interested in Lane Kiffin. You said before that would be your pick if you're LSU. We've had this discussion frequently on our show about what Lane Kiffin should do. Should he stay put? Should he make the move if, in fact, LSU comes calling? When you look at that situation right now at Ole Miss with what Lane Kiffin has, and he's going to lose a Heisman Trophy caliber quarterback in Matt Corral this year versus the opportunity at LSU – how would you weigh the two for Lane Kiffin? Well, I think Lane is probably going to get an NFL offer after this season. If, if he finishes with the season, he it looks like he's going to have, you know, 10 or 11 wins. Uh, and I just think Lane would rather be an NFL coach than, than continue to be a college coach. I don't know if he's ever said that, but that's just the feeling I get when you, when you look at his age and his, his, uh, his skill on offense as a as a play caller, 
and he, he's been in the NFL. I think, I think a lot of coaches see the NFL as a, as a better place to be. So I, I think that's where, where Lane is going to go. If, if he doesn't get an NFL job, you know, it's interesting. I think, it, you know, I, I don't know how much better LSU is right now than Ole Miss or next year compared to Ole Miss. Now, down the road and historically, LSU is a better program. But if Lane stays at LSU, if Lane stays at Ole Miss, he's got a better chance of getting Arch Manning, I think, than if he goes to LSU. And so if he gets Arch Manning, which, which would not be until the 2023 season, you know, then he could really take off at, at Ole Miss and, and get that NFL job if he doesn't get it this year. But I think he's going to get it this year. But you would agree he is made for college football, Lane Kiffin, right? Well, yeah, I think he is. But if, if uh, you know, if, but I think he could be made for the NFL too. I mean, he, he was in a bad situation with the, with the Raiders under Al Davis when Al Davis was starting to lose it. Uh, but I, I think he's, I think he's made for the NFL as well. He he's, reminds me a lot of Sean Payton as far as an, an offensive coach, coordinator, play caller. Uh, any concern with Alabama? I know 52-24 looks great for the Crimson Tide. That was a one-score game in the fourth quarter, and Alabama had their share of mistakes in that game. When, when you see that game against Tennessee – and obviously the loss to A&M, is there any reason for any great concern? Or, Glenn, do you still feel like it's it's going to be Georgia-Alabama and it's setting up to be you know a game to see maybe who's the best in the country between those two? Well, I, I think Alabama continues to look beatable. I mean, I, I think that um, I'm checking to see where that uh, Auburn game is. Yeah, Alabama has to go to Auburn on November 27th I mean, and Auburn's looking pretty good. Auburn could beat Ole Miss on Saturday at, at, at Jordan-Hare. Uh, Alabama looks kind of human this season, you know, so so they could get a second loss. The, the, the only chance for a second loss would be uh, Auburn, I think. But but that could happen, and, and uh, I, I think you saw Alabama looking kind of human in the first three quarters against Tennessee. And, uh, you know, Tennessee's Im- improved. I mean, Tennessee is, is, is on the rise and, uh, they, they played Alabama a good game for three quarters, but, um, I would not be surprised if Auburn knocks off Alabama at the end of the regular season. You, you wrote about Texas A&M reaching a, a, a week off now. Where, where do you think they stand as they kind of round the bend, uh, looking back at, at some lost opportunities, but also at, at the upset of the year? Yeah, Texas A&M, they, they're at home after their open date. They're at home against Auburn, and then they go to Ole Miss. So so if they get by those two games, you know, they, they could have a great season. I, I, don't, I don't see them getting into the playoff because of those two losses, Mississippi State and Arkansas, because the way Mississippi State and Arkansas have, have fallen or, or kind of averaged to slightly below average. But, but man, if – if A&M had found a way to win those two games, they'd be number one right now because they would have the, the win over Alabama and be undefeated. But, um, you know, I don't see A&M getting into the playoffs, but they're going to finish strong and have a great season. A team no one is talking about in the SEC right now, Glenn, uh, is Mississippi State and Mike Leach. Yes, it's Vanderbilt, but they came to Nashville and destroyed the Commodores on Saturday. 
They have a real chance to play spoiler here down the stretch. They get Kentucky at home this weekend. They go to Arkansas. Of course, they still have the Egg Bowl at the end of the season against Ole Miss. What do you think about what you've seen so far from Mississippi State at 4-3 and three and their chances with that offense of putting something together and getting a big upset down the stretch and helping not wreck one of these great stories in the SEC, but certainly put a dent in it? Well, Vegas certainly seems to like uh, Mississippi State. They're like a point five favorite over uh, Kentucky, and Kentucky just has the one loss to uh, to to Georgia. But Mississippi State has a curious loss to to LSU, and then and then they have a curious win over Texas A and M. But they they could finish strong too. I mean, after Kentucky, they're at Arkansas. Uh, they they have a tough game at Auburn, and then and then Tennessee State and and Ole Miss at home to end the season. I don't think they can get by Ole Miss, but, but, you know, they're going to have a, have a bowl season. And uh, it's interesting to see what, what, what coach Leach as, as his offense develops and Will Rogers looks, looks pretty good, but they don't seem like a balanced team yet, but they're going to end up having a decent season. It would look like, and, and, and uh, you know, we'll see if Kentucky, you know, Kentucky didn't really surprise anybody the way they lost to Georgia. But it's going to be interesting to see how they bounce back, and and they and they rarely win in in Starkville, so it's going to be a tough game for Kentucky. Glenn Gilbo, our guest here on Outkick three hundred and sixty, covers the SEC for Outkick.com. Glenn, we don't uh, we don't know Brian Harson's feelings on the vaccination status at Auburn because he's not speaking on it. Uh, we we know exactly where he stood prior to the season. He's had COVID, uh, which means he has the antibodies. But as a Auburn employee, he's going to be have to be vaccinated by November 27th or he's out. Um, and that's to meet the mandate that goes into effect by December. That also happens to be kickoff of the Iron Bowl uh, with Alabama and Auburn. Um, he's not talking about it now, but a month from now, uh, a month and one day from now, he's going to have to talk about it a lot. What do you think his, his feelings are on that? And ultimately, what, what happens with Harson at Auburn? Well, you know, I don't. I think Harson will get vaccinated if he hasn't already been. Well, well, no. Let's see. He, he he's got. He, he can't be vaccinated yet because he's got right. to have an amount of period after because he had it. But I think I think he'll get vaccinated. He just won't tell anybody. I mean, you can get even a public figure like the Auburn football coach could get vaccinated and and it not get out, uh, possibly. Uh, so I, I think that's a scenario. He'll he'll probably get vaccinated and just won't uh, tell anybody about it. Now, if he doesn't get vaccinated, I don't think he'll get fired because of that. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Auburn handles that. But again, if he's not vaccinated, we might not ever know that. You know, that might be handled behind closed doors. There is in, in the wording that Auburn put out on Friday. There is there is some ways. You know, it looks like there's some wiggle room as far as as not getting vaccinated. So he might have some room there, but I think he's going to get vaccinated. He's just not going to tell anybody. But this this is an Auburn University decision. This isn't the this isn't affecting Alabama in any way, for instance. No, it is public public schools in uh, in the state of Alabama is what the uh, the the Joe Biden uh, executive order applies to if you're private school not but uh, yeah it's the same thing for Auburn as Alabama you know when the Nick Rolovich story happened at Washington State Glenn I couldn't help but think 
this would never happen in the SEC. Even if there was a state mandate, even if there was a federal mandate, the SEC may be the one conference that if their head coach that was successful decided he wasn't getting vaccinated, that would find a way to make sure they kept that head coach employed. Am I crazy to think that way, that you know football just doesn't mean as much at Washington State as the SEC, and a story like that would never take place in the South? Well, I, I think uh, it does mean a lot more down here in football, but also uh, – what what also weighs in is 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 politics in in the uh, in the area that that they're in. You know, Washington state of Washington is different politically than than the state of Alabama. Uh, but but there's there's also language in Auburn statements about potential uh, legal action. You know, so so there's some there's there's no way Parsons going to get fired if if it gets out that he's not. Uh, vaccinated though it does bring up something interesting if a school wants to fire a coach because he's losing it's harson's first year so that doesn't enter the picture but if if the school was looking for a reason to fire a coach would, would they use not uh vaccinated you know uh I, I'm, I'm sure lsu might have used that if, if coach o had you know started winning some games before he was let go Tennessee really uh, wishing that that vaccine was readily available when they fired Jeremy Pruitt. Pruitt. Add that to the list. He's not vaccinated also. It's another reason to fire him with cause. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Perfect for them. Look for a coach. <laughs> Glenn, our post-game shows in, uh, in in Baton Rouge and across Louisiana always as crazy as they were after the Ole Miss game that, that has been circulating on uh, the, the radio stations there. Have you well, seen I this? I saw that, and, and I, I know both of those guys. and, and <laughs> I've known Richard Condon for, for a long time. And uh, Charles just really, and, and Charles is usually mild mannered, and he's, he's probably the the most well informed, best radio guy in Baton Rouge as, as far as his broad knowledge, in addition to his knowledge of LSU and the Saints and and everything. Uh, but you know, we only saw an excerpt of that. I didn't right. see the whole thing. I didn't right. see got Charles uh, so mad, but. Uh, that was that was wild. I had the TV muted and I saw those two guys on last night. I was like, "Whoa, what is that?" But but you know, if if you heard Condon right before Charles got all mad, um, he uh, he was talking about how LSU can't hire Billy Napier, the ULL coach, because he's from Lafayette. Well, I disagree totally with with Richard there. If if you don't like Billy Napier as a coach, fine. And there's there's bigger fish out there that Scott Woodward is probably going to get other than Billy Napier. But Billy Napier is a, is a great coach and you shouldn't use the fact that, that he's at ULL in, in any type of, of argument, either he's good or he's not. In fact, the fact that he's been very good at ULL is, is a, is a PowerPoint of his resume. Cause that's not always a good, uh, easy place to win at. How many other than Franklin is there another coach that you feel like they're competing against with with USC or with, with is there James Franklin and then no one else is there a reason to make the hire before USC makes their decision Well USC is definitely not looking at Lane Kiffin right 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 <laughs> has an inside uh track there um you know, I'm not. I'm not sure on that one. Uh, you know, one one popular name I, I've heard uh, just from fans is is Oklahoma coach uh, Lincoln Riley. I, I don't know what LSU or USC's interest in is is there, but uh, you know, both schools could well be kind of looking at, at at different coaches. 
and and Woodward haven't been in the in the Pac-12. Uh, he may he may have some knowledge where where USC is going as well. But um, you know, I, I just don't I, don't I don't know how how high James Franklin is on on LSU's list, or if, or if maybe he's not that interested in LSU. I bring up make the hire. We know these agreements will go on behind the scenes. Uh, the official hire takes place in late December and January when the seasons are complete and these sitting coaches are no longer coaching. But the negotiations are happening now. There is no doubt about it. Uh, Glenn, thank you as always for the update across the Southeastern Conference. We'll catch up next week. Are you headed to Auburn this week? Is that right? Yes, uh, Ole Miss at Auburn on Saturday for sure. And then back uh, to catch the uh, Saints against uh, Tampa Bay Sunday afternoon. Big weekend for you. Cool. Yes. Enjoy it. Yes. Yes. All right. Thank you, guys. All right. And Thank you, Glenn. World Series. Astros Braves. That's right. Yeah. Glenn Gilbo has been our guest. I love Glenn's, uh, if you follow him on Twitter, it's at LSU Beat Tweet. Yep. He had a great uh, almost travel blog of everywhere to stop and eat in Mississippi when he was at Ole Miss and Oxford. Uh, all these places looked look great as he went to and from the game uh, this past weekend. Chad, he mentioned uh, Braves-Astros. How confident are you in your Braves winning game one this evening? Uh, I'm not uh, overly confident uh, in game one. I would be a lot more confident if uh, if Charlie Morton looked more like postseason Charlie Morton uh, in, his, in his last outing. Um, so Valdez was great when he pitched against uh, the Red Sox in the last Seven series. Seven or eight innings, right? Yeah, and I think they won 9-1 to one in that game. Um, He's a really good lefty. Here's my big question going into this series. Do the Braves have another Eddie Rosario in them, or is Eddie Rosario just going to keep being the Eddie Rosario story? Which Every postseason, fine, right? Yeah, absolutely. He's batting 571 Same. In, the, in the playoffs. Uh, I mean, he is single-handedly winning games for the Braves offensively. But we know this. Every October, there's an unlikely hero. For every World Series champion, there's an unlikely hero. So can Rosario keep it up? Is he going to be that story if the Braves are to upset the Astros and win the World Series? Does another unlikely story emerge for the Braves? Um, that, that, to me, is a big question mark going into this series. It's going to be fun. I mean, I think any, it's tough in any playoff series to go in and say what your confidence level is in a game one until you see the two teams match up and play one game. I'll have a much better answer. Hopefully, J.P. and Sibby has a much better answer. Yeah. When we have him on, I'll have a much better answer having seen tonight's game when we come back tomorrow about what I think with, with game two and uh, how the Braves hit a great lefty for the Astros, how the Astros look tonight against Charlie Morton. A lot of big question marks. It's going to be fun, though. Can't wait. J.P. Aaron Sibia gives us the uh, scouting report on both teams coming up in 20 minutes. When we come back, uh, the NFL trade deadline is one week from today. Deshaun Watson is on the block. Who else across the league? I've got a list for you. And I'm here to tell you the best trade has already happened. It's next on Outkick 360. So we will uh, we'll talk to Sean Watson, trade deadline, rumors, and information with John McClain from the Houston Chronicle, TexasSportsStation.com. That's coming up in about 30 minutes. Outkick 360 rolls on. Uh, but but who else? Trade deadline across the NFL one week from today. I've got 
uh, several thoughts on on guys who could be traded and uh, details on why I think none of them will match the trade that's already happened. And I'm not talking about Joe Flacco, who's going back to the Jets. I, before you say it, when you get there, I want to guess who you're going to say. I was hoping it was going to be Flacco, by the way. Yeah. That's what I said. That was, to that me, was it's pretty point. obvious, Paul, who it is. It's um, Ertz or Gilmore. Um, Tua Tagovailoa uh, is going to be a hot name that people are going to discuss. Uh, to me, not an impact player for a team that is making a move at the trade deadline in order to have that person contribute for them in December and January. He's a backup. Um, oh, he's a starter. Um, he's currently a starter. Uh, Marlon Mack, running back for the Indianapolis Colts, is going to be dealt. He's going to be dealt to uh, a team like San Francisco, uh, which I'm kind of surprised hasn't already made a move for him, uh, given the fact that they played Indy this past week. Um, I would keep an eye on on that. But Mac is uh, a, a guy that's he's 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 more valuable than the five carries a game that the Colts are giving him, and they are deep at the position. I would think Mac is available for a a deadline deal and a one draft pick. But whoever that team is should have, in hindsight, gotten one of those Baltimore running backs off the street. Who's, who are all doing just fine, better than fine. Well, one of the Baltimore running backs is next, next to my list, Devontae Freeman. Uh, he's at the back teams, of the line. Teams have already been calling Baltimore because Baltimore has a plethora of backup running backs who are performing well. They have Tyson Williams. They have Le'Veon Bell. Uh, they have Le, uh, Latavius Murray. And they have Devontae Freeman. And Freeman is the back that is more versatile of the group that can fit more offenses. Uh, they are already fielding calls for him, they're according not, to reports. They're not using Williams either. He, I mean, he's just back at the line. They've done a remarkable job restocking there. Everybody should take lessons. Kyle Fuller uh, with the Broncos. I think he's going to be an L.A. Ram. I think they're going to make a deal for him. They have restructured a couple of maybe just one contract. Maybe there's more on the way. Uh, one of their offensive linemen restructured this past weekend. They freed up $3 million of cap space this year by doing it now. They're about to make a deadline deal. They are thin at corner uh, opposite Jalen Ramsey. They need help there. Surprising how quickly that went south. Uh, Fuller? Yeah, and a one-year well, deal with his former defensive coordinator, and, and they're not playing him. Yeah, and he's, and he's been in Denver uh, for a couple of years now, but he's – but he re-signed on just one year? Yeah. That, I think he's got about $5 million left on this year's salary. They need to move him. Uh, Broncos are going nowhere. They've lost four straight. Marcus May is also an interesting case here with the Jets because he wants out. Uh, the Jets are willing to move him. But again, that's big a big number, salary right? yeah. that they have, to, they have to move. And a team has to be willing to make a trade, trade deadline deal for a safety. Uh, is that is that value out there for him? Are they willing to to make a deal uh, a, a week from now? A couple of others. Um, Evan Ingram with the Giants. Um, it's over after this year. The Giants are done this year record-wise. I look for him to move out. And I he's one of those versatile pieces that can play outside and inside on the line. Um, I, I think there is value there. Nick Foles, be on the lookout Sunday if a starter goes down due to injury. Nick Foles with Chicago will be dealt by Tuesday. And one that I find intriguing, I don't think it happens, but one that would be really interesting if the Packers want to sign Aaron Rodgers, you try to trade Jordan Love before Tuesday. And you get two months of negotiations with Aaron Rodgers 
showing him that you're the team for him because he's your guy. You send a message by dealing Jordan Love Tuesday. It's almost... I feel like Aaron Rodgers is so dug in on his point on that. I think that would almost anger him more because then he would continue going back and saying, look at the missed opportunity to help me out with that draft pick that I told you about, that I wanted to know more about, and now you're completely throwing that away. I just think I, I kind of like the idea, but teams are looking for people that will help them now, and love is a pick, is a, is a help, help me later, maybe. And so I don't think he'd be front burner for anybody, even though he's only going to cost you nothing. Six. It would cost you nothing. Yeah. Not even that. Yeah. If you're just trying to six. deal him to send a message for Aaron Rodgers. Swap of six. Uh, what about Josh Reynolds here? I'd have him out. I've had him av- uh, available if I'm John Robinson. I'd have him available too, but I don't imagine that anybody's really uh, eager. I would trade for Josh Reynolds before Nikhil Harry, who everyone's going to mention nationally. Yeah, I'd, I wouldn't have much, much interest in Nikhil Harry either. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Josh Reynolds is at least a proven number three. Nikhil Harry's not busting the the top three receivers right now in New England. That was a bad pick by New England. It's a bad signing by the Titans as well. Yeah, but at least there it's only like one year, 1.25, something like that, if I'm not mistaken, maybe $2 million. So the the best trade's already happened, Paul. Uh, you got to say Stephon Gilmore or Zach Ertz would be second. Uh, it's head and shoulders, Zach Ertz. And there is no doubt. Uh, the the unbeaten team, they lose Max Williams. He's on injured reserve for the rest of the year. He's not returning. They trade for Zach Ertz. They give up a sixth-round pick that could turn, turn into a, a fifth. And now they have the ability to go more. Uh, they're going to run a lot of three wide anyway. Uh, and sometimes they're not going to they're going to run 10 personnel in Arizona. They do that a lot. But Ertz gives them the ability. He can line up at receiver. He's a lot like Ingram in that regard. He can line up at receiver and he gives you a different look that you must prepare for for a group that runs more 10 personnel, uh, meaning no tight end than any team in the league. Uh, that makes them more versatile. I, I think it was a brilliant move to get on the Ertz train prior the week prior to the deadline happening. Uh, they already have DeAndre Hopkins. They have A.J. Green. They have Christian Kirk. They have Rondell Moore. Now they have Zach Ertz on top of a run game that they have been able to rely on over the last two or three weeks. Um, this was a brilliant move by Arizona, and it's why they're going to make a deep playoff run. And they've been dangling Ertz and talking about Ertz on the block for over a year, it feels like. I mean, they were talking about him, if I'm not mistaken, before the trade deadline last year, through the offseason and everything. So it's very weird that it took this long. He landed in an ideal situation. You're absolutely correct there. Uh, I like what he said on his way out of Philadelphia, too. He said everybody talks about it being a difficult place to play. It's an easy place to play if you go out and play hard every game. They love you, um, which is a simple message for people who complicate a town like Philadelphia where you can complicate it for yourself. But if you do what he said, I mean, you have to be talented. Yeah. But if you're talented and you go out and you bust your ass in Philadelphia, they, they do love you. It's, it's a, a simple and, formula, actually. And I think he can come in and make a splash. I mean, he already did this past week with a touchdown. But it's not like he has to learn a massive playbook for tight ends in that offense. Again, it's, it's sprinkled in, and it's just an extra weapon to attack the middle of the field with, uh, I mean, they have the, the small receivers for uh, between the 20s. 
And then they have their playmakers in the end zone. Now they have Ertz on top of that. It's it's a it's a move that will pay off in the postseason for them. Hunt, the name you mentioned, I'm very interested in seeing what happens. Uh, Evan Ingram. Uh, I know you, you mentioned him, but that that's one that if I am a team in need of another playmaker, mm-hmm. maybe a team that doesn't have a playmaker at tight end right now, I would I would certainly look into that possibility. You talk about Jordan Love. The call I'd be making if I'm anticipating being in the quarterback market, and if I'm Miami, Carolina, Philadelphia right now, forget about Deshaun Watson. And your season's over anyway. Call now and tell Green Bay, hey, I'll be the first in line when the time comes after the season's over to talk to you if, if it's not happening with Aaron Rodgers for you. I want in on that. Remember me. Uh, Deshaun Watson's just too damn dangerous because you don't know what's coming. But there's an MVP quarterback that's going to be out there potentially. Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. Well, if Green Bay wants to keep him, I would start making that push now, and I would deal Jordan Love before Tuesday just to send a message to the vet that you're all in. Love, love, love. You're all in. You love Aaron Rodgers. You're done with love in Green Bay. MLB talk next on Outkick 360 World Series.